You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. The first activity of every believer is prayer. Oh, is that right? You confess Jesus as your Savior and Lord. That's your first activity as a believer. So you actually enter the kingdom with prayer. And that's how grace enters you. And you begin to function in grace. And like I said, if you see the first activity, then one day after the crowds had been baptized, Jesus himself was baptized and he was praying. And the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove settled upon him. And a voice from heaven said, you are my much loved son. So what was Jesus doing then? He was what? He was what? Oh, he was what? Praying. Okay? Was praying in the spirit and endorsed him. Can you see that? You don't see the father there speaking out of heaven. Did you see the father? What does he say? What? Voice. So the heavens open and the Holy Spirit in the form what? Of a dove. What? So the Holy Spirit was not a dove. In the form of a dove. <laughs> Can you get it? In the form of what? So the Holy Spirit didn't come as a dove. So the figure, the, the shape looked like a dove. And so it was that same spirit, that what? spoke. Are you getting the point? Yes. And said, you are my much loved what? Son. All right. Yes, my delight. And then he tells us what? Jesus was about what? 30 years when he so Jesus began his public ministry with what? With prayer. with prayer. I also told you that Jesus left a spiritual activity to go and do what? Pray. Look at Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Now the report of his power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear him preach to be healed of their diseases. But he often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Are you here? In the midst of fame, popularity, impact, he would often withdraw to the wilderness for prayer. He would go into a place of solitude to pray. So he would actually move away from the crowd to go and pray. Wow. Which tells you that his prayer um, was not a quiet one. Hello? <laughs> because if it was a quiet one, he would just be right there and be praying. He'll be doing like some of you do. <laughs> you call it prayer. Think you are praying. But Jesus will move away from the crowd 
get into a place of solitude and pray. And I like the word he often withdrew. He what? He what? So it tells you this happened in several cases. Is that correct? Several cases. So it's like a one day thing. And what amazes me is this. That you see when we easily get, we easily get caught up in spiritual activity. Because we think oh we are doing so much for the Lord. Are you here? Okay, so you're doing so much for the Lord. And so you're so involved in things. So you don't even find time to what? Pray. So you see, Jesus made sure that his focus was not on the healings. And the crowds. In the midst of the healing and all the wonderful things that I'm sure people will be saying, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, that was powerful. Oh, I'm here. He would just move out and go and spend time in prayer. Because one thing you must understand is that spirituality does not lead to a place of comfort. And if you see your function going down, it's just because you are in motion to a place of comfort. And in your mind, you need comfort. You know that is the reason why most people, <laughs> the moment you get a miracle, we don't see you again. Yeah. Because the point is that for your spirituality for you must lead you to a place of what? Comfort. But you can see the pattern here. That Jesus didn't feel cool and say that all the miracles are happening. I'm making the impact. No. He will leave them to go and consult what the next assignment is. Are you here with me? What the next assignment is. What the next assignment is. Natural comfort will always lead you away from the Lord. Look at the next. Jesus went to a mountain to pray and did the prayer all night. After healing, a deformed hand. Luke chapter 6. So we move from Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 6. He says, one day, soon afterward, soon afterward, I've just given you a hint. He healed a man with a deformed hand. Soon afterward, he went out to the mountain to pray. And prayed all night. Can you see he's graduating? Is that right? You see, ask yourself why you come to church and sleep. Ask yourself. Now, you ask yourself why you can sit in church and sleep. Yeah. Because the point is that you have not exercised your spirit. You see, when, when you exercise your spirit, your soul is so delighted and so ready to catch a revelation, you can't sleep. It's not possible. It's not. 
It's not possible. It's not. Because when your spirit is ready, it brings you to the edge of your seat. Wanting to receive. And when you receive and you go, you don't go and lie in comfort. Ah, today church was powerful. Oh, the pastor preached. Oh, 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 and then you sleep. It actually takes you into a place of prayer. It, 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 it actually, you see, it evolves. You look at him graduating. Now he even did the prayer all night. And the all night is not your all night. The nine or the ten to four. Four hours. The all night there is talking about six to six. Six p.m. to six a.m. 12 hours. And so you see, when he comes to stand, things move. Because he has already taken captive of all of them already. So they can't stand it. Look at the pattern very well. So look at the next. What did he do next? Now he takes his close associates to go and pray. And look at the experience. They had the experience, what we call the Mount of what? Transfiguration experience. Where <laughs> the, the Holy Spirit once again told them that this is the man. Let's continue. And all of that was in prayer. Can you realize that? So in prayer, there's always an encounter with the Holy Spirit. There's always an encounter with the Holy Spirit. He tells you what to do. There's always an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Always an encounter. How many of you have prayer partners? Hmm. Somebody said in school. In school. <laughs> No, it tells you where our Christianity is as of now. It tells you. We don't have prayer partners. That's serious. Oh, hello? I, I mean, that's a big deal. Oh. It's a big, big deal. So you see, all your friends, all your associates you have, oh, Charlie, how's the wedding? Oh, Charlie, have you seen the latest shoe? Charlie, these days, Charlie, Lady Gaga is trending. You. You, you, you know, so so that, that's actually that's actually what the conversation revolves around. That's what the relationship is all around. Charlie, you see, Charlie, you see the lady, where oh, hey, Charlie? Oh, you see the guy, oh Charlie. You know, so there's 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 most of our relationships are toxic. 
Yeah. You don't have a friend that you can call. We are going somewhere to pray. This is the challenge I'm facing. Can you stand with me? Some time ago, when you're picking leaders, you look at skill. And you look at, oh, Charlie, they, they are experts in this. They, so they can bring advice. You see, when you go to corporate organization, that's what you do. But you don't do that with church. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was calling Peter, his first test was that he was giving a kingdom, a, a kingdom demand. Is that correct? What was the kingdom demand? Borrow me your boat. And let me preach in it. A guy walks to you. He doesn't know you from Adam. You are a Judaist. You don't belong to his sect. He says, give me your boat and let me preach. Preach what? And Peter gives his boat. And Jesus preaches. And then from there, Jesus says, follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. So you can see that straight away, Jesus was very instructive. Is that right? Very instructive. There was no room for, oh, Charlie, you know, I have come to do this um, around. So um, would you um, be a part of? It was so instructive. And so his heart right away was tested because he was following instructions. And that's exactly why he became one of the core. And Jesus took them to go and pray. And he was ready. Uh, where do your friends take you? Hello? Yeah. Yeah. Where is that you can invite people to, to come and pray? Because you yourself, the way you do it, <laughs> all right? So, it's very, very instructive that as, as believers, we we understand that it's not, it's not shameful to pray. Hello. Tell the next person, it's not shameful to pray. You know that sometimes when people are praying, you'll be standing and you're laughing at them. Look, look at the guy, look at the guy, look at him. Or look at the lady, look at the stand. And look at his face. But what are you, what is he doing? Mark people who mock prayer. People who mock prayer, mark them. Because as a matter of fact, if Jesus was here, I'm sure you'd have mocked him. Do you know why? Look at the next. Let's also go. With what? Sweats of what? Spirituality and what? So Jesus didn't just pray 
engaging the spirit, you saw it in his attitude. He actually prayed till sweats of blood. Visibly. This is not figurative. This is not an exaggeration. Because in prayer, the believer contests. In prayer, the believer fights. In prayer, the believer redeems. Are you here with me? Most of us, most of us fight at the wrong places. Most of us fight at the wrong place. Your fight, every is where you do your every fight and battle and win, hands down. Jesus was going to shed blood, is that right? Where did he shed the blood first? In prayer. In prayer. He was agonizing. Hebrews gives us the picture very clearly. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers, so he was talking about Jesus, right? In the days of his word, flesh, you understand? Okay, good. When he had offered up prayers and supplications, with what? With what? Strong what? Crying and what? Tears. Eh? Unto him that was able to save him from death. And was, and was what? So they heard the guy agonizing. Strong. The word strong there is the word, you know, iskus. Iskus is strength. So, Iskuris is strong, the verb. Vehement. Strong. And then courage. It means crying, to shout. Strong, passionate noise. Strong, passionate noise. Look at the next. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. He said also, watch, watch it. He said, go. Oh, read it like you mean, go. Think about whose patience. Whose patience? What, what happened to him? Sinful men what? Did such what? Okay, so listen to me. Look at how it all began. How did after all go? You have never yet what? Struggled against sin and temptation until you. So it was not figurative. It was not figurative. Most things are the way they are because you don't understand the attitude in prayer. You don't cry just because you are crying tears. What was Jesus doing? He was crying. He was shedding tears. He was making noise, expressing concern that the will of God comes to pass. Are you here with me? So his cry was an expression of God's will that is so burdened on his heart. When you are burdened about stuff, you can't keep quiet. You can't keep quiet. So he was so passionate about the will of God that he couldn't hold his peace. 
sweat, great drops of blood. He was tearing his veins apart in prayer. And do you know what happened? You came out of it. We agonize in prayer for others because many have suffered for us. That is the faith. Look at what happened. Luke chapter 22, 39 to 46. Let's all read, go. Then accompanied by the disciples, he left the upstairs room and went as usual. He went what? As what? As what? So, Prayer was Jesus' lifestyle. As usual. It was a normal lifestyle. If God, because he became man, prayed, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? He left the upstairs room. He left them behind. Charlie? And they go shabu. As usual. Then he told them, pray that God, pray God that you will not be overcome by he went to pray and said, pray. Because already he told them what's going to happen. He said, pray. If Peter had prayed, he would not have taken a sword to cut somebody's ear. You see, he was fighting at the wrong place. Are you here? Look at next. He walked away, perhaps a stone throw, knelt down, prayed this prayer. Father, if you are willing, please take away this cup of horror from me. But I want your will, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. When a righteous man prays, the Lord hears. In this prayer, Jesus was aligning his will to the will of God. Did you hear that? What he means is that he is being overwhelmed by the burden of humanity's sin. And the cup was heavy. But thank God. He was strengthened. Oh, are you here? He was strengthened. Where was he strengthened? In what? In what? In what? If he was just sitting down. Sit well. If he was just sitting down, what would happen? Nothing. Is that right? For he was in such agony of spirit that he broke into a sweat of blood with great drops falling to the ground as he prayed more and more earnestly. Check this word. I'm giving you an assignment. Check this word. How many times the word earnestly was used in prayer? Almost every prayer that had great results had the word earnestly attached to it. They prayed earnestly. You are praying comfortably. Comfortably. You are praying gentlemanly. 
You know what I mean. Gentlemanly. Look at the one you are following. Jesus. And how he prayed. He's showing us the pattern. Somebody say the pattern. Oh, say the pattern. At last, he stood up again, returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep. Exhausted from grief. Somebody's. <laughs> there, are two different, there are two different people there. Jesus and the disciples. Two categories of people. They were all suffering grief. One channeled their grief into prayer. The other slept their grief. <laughs> you see, when Bible said pray always, he meant it. When there's success, pray. When there's trouble, pray. Because in prayer, every need is answered. Are you here with me? I, I have realized that the day you stop praying, it's like you have stopped breathing. Asleep, look at the exclamation mark. Asleep, he said, get up. Pray God that you will not fall when you are tempted. I want you to look at the premise of the account I'm going to talk about in James before you take it out of context. We're going to look at James. We're going to look at James, not you. Now, let me give you a brief background about James. James was a half-brother of Jesus. Okay? There were about four James uh, during Jesus' time. I think James, the elder brother of, of John. And then, so those were the three that went, uh, two that went with Peter. Peter, James, and John to the Mount of Transfiguration, yes. And then we have James, the son of Alphaeus. And then we have James, this James, the brother of Jesus. And then another James. Um, he is not uh, too popular. No. Um, this James, his nickname was Camel, Camel Knees. Camel Knees. So, if you read the book of James, you realize that he spoke a lot about prayer. Because he himself was a man of prayer. As a matter of fact, he prayed so much that his knees became like camel knees. They became hard. So hard. So hard. So, he actually knows the power of prayer. As a matter of fact, when Jesus died and resurrected, if you read Acts chapter 1, I think 14 or so, he was one of the people that was named with the 120. And when James, the other James was killed, and, and they took Peter, in Acts 12, 1, if you read downwards, when Peter was released, he was the one, this James, the half-brother of Jesus, was the one that Peter said, go and tell him that I am released. And then it's more like he should take care of the other brothers. So as a matter of fact, he was like the pastor of the first church. So actually, if you study theology carefully, 
most people even think that he was actually the head rather than Peter. Yes, Peter was doing more of the going round, you know, yes, from Jerusalem. But the one who stayed in Jerusalem and pastored the church was James. And so you could see with his writing, sometimes when you read James, you would think that he's endorsing works or he's endorsing the law because he was writing in the lens of a resident pastor who would deal with the ecclesiological stuff in church, structure, order, are you getting a point? And all of that. So there were present issues he was dealing with. But there's one thing you can see about him when it comes to prayer. He understands the power of prayer. He understands the character and the nature of God in prayer. Now, I'm giving you this background. Look at what he says. Go. Dear brothers, don't be too eager to tell others they are false. For we all make many mistakes. And when we, teachers of religion, who should know better do wrong, our punishment will be greater than it would be for others. So you see that James, right from here, is not talking out of condemnation. Are you getting the point? Because the next, this thing I'm going to read, if you are not careful, you would think that he is trying to condemn you. So I just want you to know that he was actually rather asking for even in the body of Christ. Are you getting the point? Where we'll be soft on each other. Are you getting the point? And not nail it and make people feel they are condemned. Are you, are you clear? Okay, good. So look at James 4. One, let's go. What is causing the perils and fights? So you see the guy is dealing with issues. Is that right? Okay, good. Isn't it because there is a whole what? Army of what? Evil desires within you. You want what you don't have. So you kill to get it. Hello? It's a letter to the churches who? James is, a, is about addressing the desire people bring into prayer. <laughs> Let's go. You long for what others have. Uh -huh. And can't afford it. Eish. Eish. You see the kinds of desires people bring into prayer. When we talk about wealth transfer, <laughs> huh? And somebody's <laughs> property should come to you. Is it the evil desires? <laughs> and yet, no. If it is. It's not normal. No. It's abnormal. But it's just that it's not today. It's not normal. So you start a fight to take it away from them. Next. And yet, the reason you don't have what you want is that, hey, are you here? Hey. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole aim. Hey, are you here? 
Somebody say motive. I've been talking to us that when self is so much in the picture, you disconnect. You, you don't understand it. It's said that God is not willing to give. James himself said it. He said God gives liberally. As a matter of fact, what he said there is that he said God is a giving God. And because he's a giving God and his character is to give, he gives abundantly. But don't forget that God is a good God. And therefore, your evil desire chokes you yourself. Are you getting it? So you can't receive. You want only what will give you what? You are like an unfaithful wife who loves her husband's enemies. That's why I said James is hard. James is hard. I mean, he just said, I said before I read it. Uh-huh. Because you see, God's character is goodness. And then you have an evil desire. So even if he's releasing it, you can't take it. You can't. You can't. It can't get through. It can't get through. Don't you realize that making friends with God's enemies, the evil pleasures of this world, makes you an enemy of God? Are you getting the point? He's not here saying that you become God's enemy. He's talking about in prayer. You don't get, he made an illustration. In, in other words, you don't get your prayers word answered. That's all he wants to say. Don't forget the premise if you do context. I say it again that if your aim is to enjoy the evil pleasures of the unsaved world, you cannot also be a friend of God. Or what do you think that the scripture means when he says, listen to what he says, go. That the Holy Spirit, whom God has placed within us, watches over us. Are you, are you getting it? So you see that he's not condemning you. And he's not saying you are out. He says because God is guarding you with a lot of jealousy, it, it won't come to you so you choke. So that you will leave the faith. So that it will take you out. He's watching over you with tenderness and jealousy. Because if you receive it, it will be your destruction. Are you here? Is it very clear? But he gives us more and more strength to stand against all such evil longings. When you're a true believer, I'll, I'll get to that, and you begin to pray and pray in the spirit, you will see that as you are praying, he'll be changing your desire. And the moment you yield in prayer, you receive. <laughs> you receive. So he doesn't, that's why he says he's tenderly, tenderly guarding. 
Are you getting the point? Because even in that prayer, he doesn't cut you off. Get away from me. No. The Holy Spirit begins to work. And the moment you yield, you receive. Are you here with me? Let's go. God gives what? Strength to what? Uh-huh. But sets himself. So you see what he's addressing right now. So in the, as in the middle, actually, when you're praying, and you have a haughty spirit, then you are disconnecting. But even if your desire is evil, but as you pray, you yield to the Holy Ghost, and your desire is altered, and your motive is right, he himself works that out. When you yield, you receive. Are you getting it? You receive. You receive. You re so he's never in any way going to say that you can't receive. No, that's not his nature. He gives without finding fault. Are you here? So, look at him. When he comes to chapter 5. 3, 4, Five. He says what? Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that so he's saying that reconcile yourself together. Bring yourselves together. See, one thing that God desires, he said he wants us to be one. It's so key. And look at what he says. Go. Of a, so you see, first he says the Holy Ghost guards us tenderly and is jealous. Is that right? So he's calling us believers. He didn't say we are out. Are you getting the point? And here too, he says the earnest prayer of what? So he says they are still righteous. <laughs> are you getting the point? He says the earnest prayer of a righteous man, what? Has great power and what? Oh, and what? And what? And then he gives us a case study. He said who? Elijah was what? So Elijah was completely human. Two eyes. One head. Two legs. One nose. Two hands. Five fingers. Like all of us. And he has weaknesses like every human being has. But once again, he prayed what? You see the word again? Earnestly. Earnestly. That no rain would fall. None fell for the next three and a half years. Then he prayed again. This time that it will rain. And down it poured. And the grass turned green and the gardens began to grow again. Are you here? So let's go to Elijah. And let's see how it happened. Is that right? Is that correct? Okay, good. Then Elijah the prophet from Tishbe. In Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord God of Israel lives, the God whom I worship and serve, there won't be any dew or rain for several years until I say not a word. So what he's saying, he's saying it by instruction. Are you getting the point? That's why we don't pray our feelings. We pray the word.
Our feelings express the will of God in prayer. It is not just emotions. So you don't just come and cry. Don't forget the prayer. When Jesus was crying and was weeping, what was the prayer he was praying? Let your will. So he was not praying his feelings to be done. He says, let my feelings shed, subside, and let his will be done. Praise God. It was three years later that the Lord said to Elijah, go and tell King Ahab that I will soon send rain again. I like the process. Ahab had to do something. Um, uh, sorry, Elijah. He had to bring Ahab and Israel at par with him. That's how come the prophets of Baal were killed. So there was reconciliation of faith. What did he do? He turned around their evil desire. That was the time of the law. It was only him that had the Holy Spirit coming and going. <laughs> Thank God for Jesus. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go and enjoy a good meal. After <laughs> they were done with Ahab and Israel turned to God again, he said, well, you have done your part. You go have a meal. King, go and have a meal. For I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Oh, Kadeya doses. So Ahab prepared a feast. Whilst Ahab was preparing a feast. That's why he said, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Camel and got down on his knees. You see why James was called Camel? <laughs> With his face between his knees. Somebody say focus. Jesus. Didn't God say it was going to rain? Then Elijah should have said sat down. And then rain will be pouring. But he had to go into prayer. Oh, so they said you get a contract so you are sitting. Sit down. They said the sickness will be healed. So you are sitting down. Sit down. They said, oh, ah, so Christ prayed. So his prayer has covered your prayer. Okay, next. And said to his servant, go and look out towards the sea. He did, but returned to Elijah and told him, watch. I didn't see anything. Elijah should have said, God, you're a liar. You don't understand prayer. You see, you don't understand prayer. You don't. He should have said, oh, Charlie, that thing you tell me, I did I pray. Nothing happened. No. Nothing. Hello? Did you say that last week? Oh. oh, 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 oh. Did you say that last month? Or even today? <laughs> but I prayed. Pastor, you said I should pray. I have prayed. <laughs> then Elijah told him, go again and again and again. What? Seven times means what? Until you see. 
Listen to me. Until I see it, I won't stop praying. Do you know why? Because I know the God who promised. And I know his character. That he's a good God. Are you getting a point? And he gives liberally and abundantly. Are you getting a point? So what it means is that it will be delivered. And I am praying till I download it. And I see it with my clock-low eyes. Because as for seeing, I will see it. Oh, hello. Why did Jesus also pray one hour and then came back and said, hey, you are sleeping. And then went again, prayed another one hour. And then went again, they were sleeping. Say, hey. And then he went again and prayed three hours. When he knew in his spirit that it was done, he said, the time is up. Until you pray to the point you know the time is up, you don't stop. <laughs> Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Can you believe it? Elijah didn't see the rain falling. The young man just saw a little hand, a little cloud, and it was setting. He knew it was done. Look at Elijah's response. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him to get into his chariot and get down to the mountain or he'll be stopped by the rain. Are you here with me? Listen, your prayer will be answered. The point is that you have a good stuff. Why? Because yours has already been done on the cross of Calvary. So you see, goodness and mercy actually pursues you. Let me give you a, a few. Give me, give me. Assure enough, the sky was soon black with clouds, and a heavy wind brought the terrific rainstorm. Ahab leapt hastily to Jezreel. The rain fell because Elijah was persistent in prayer. Oh, praise God. Look at what Jesus told his disciples. Once when Jesus had been out praying, one of his disciples came to him and said, eh, Lord, teach us. Teach us a prayer to recite. As John taught one of his disciples, look at what Jesus Then teaching them more, that's when he, ta he taught the Lord's Prayer. I don't want to go, what you call the Lord's Prayer. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this illustration. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight. Wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You would shout up to him. A friend of mine has just arrived for a visit. I have nothing to give him to eat. He would call down from his bedroom. Please don't ask me to get up. The door is locked for the night. And we are all in bed. I just can't help you this time. But I'll tell you this. Though he won't do it as a friend. If you keep knocking long enough. He will get up and give you everything you want. You are going to pray. I said you are going to pray. And then look at Jesus. 
He said, just because of your persistence. And so it is with prayer. He gave an example of a lesser being and a lesser relationship. And then he brings himself to bear. And then he shows us his nature. He says, keep on asking and you will keep on getting. Keep on looking. And you will keep on finding. Knock. And the door will be opened. Everyone who asks, receives. All who seek, find. And the door is open to everyone who knocks. You men who are fathers, if your boy ask for bread do you give him a stone if he asks for fish do you give him a snake and if he asks for an egg do you give him a scorpion of course not and if even sinful persons like yourselves give children what they need don't you realize that your heavenly father will do at least as much and give the Holy Spirit <sighs> Did you see James talk about the Holy Spirit guarding you with tenderly jealousy? Is that correct? Is that correct? And you see what Jesus said here. When Jesus was saying this, he had not resurrected. So he was actually saying it in when we get into our resurrected world position. That <laughs> when you are praying, the Holy Ghost prays in you. And when he has given you the Holy Ghost, it means that anything you ask has a way to you. So far as you will continue in prayer, you will receive it. Are you hearing me? James, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him. He will gladly tell you, for he is always ready to give you a bountiful supply of wisdom. To all who ask him, he will not resent it. Do you see the character of God? Give me the next. But when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to tell you, for a doubtful mind will be as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And every decision you then make will be uncertain as you turn first this way and then that. If you don't ask with faith, don't expect the Lord to give you any solid answer. You see why Elijah put his face in between his knees. His mind was set. I know the character of God. He is a willing giver. And he will give me abundantly. So far as I ask, I will receive. Are you understanding the point? Listen to me. If you are a believer, let that settle with you. God will never deny me. Are you understanding me? I said God will never deny. Say God will never deny me. Look at look at this scripture. Look at this scripture. First John 5, 11 to 13. Go, everybody, go. What did God say? Go. That he has given us what? Oh, read it like you are reading it. Go. That he has given us what? That this word is in his word. 
Who lives in you? Who lives in you? Who lives in you? So go. Whoever has God's son has life. Go. Whoever does not have a son does not have life. Good. I have written this to you who believe in the son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Next. And we are sure of this. That he will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything. And if we really know his, if we really know his, if we really know his, what would you do? The only problem here is that in the Greek, I told you the other time, whenever we ask anything, then the comma comes. Anything, the comma will come there in line with his will. His will is that he will give. That is his will. So what it means is that he's a giving God, always ready, willing to give. Pick the last scripture for me. Go, everybody. Glory be to by his mighty power. Wait, what is the mighty power? At work in you. Eh? The Holy Spirit. What did Jesus say when we asked he would give us? You get it now. So the Holy Spirit in you, what is he doing? Go. He's able to do what? To do far more than what? Will ever what? Dare to ask or even infinitely beyond our highest prayers Desires, thoughts. Oh, praise God. May he be giving glory forever and ever. Through endless ages because of his master plan of salvation for the church through Christ Jesus. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth. <laughs>